Hey guys, here's four videos I made about three to four years ago on the channel regarding the ones. They're extensive videos of lore with information that I found all throughout the internet, information I know myself, and information from books that I have with Star Wars lore about the father, the daughter, the son, and Abeloth, the mother. I hope you guys enjoy this compilation and let me know what you think in the comments below. We would be honored if you would join us. A member of a mysterious family of incredibly powerful force beings known as the Ones, the Sun, had fully embraced the dark side of the Force, though it is even possible that he might be the manifestation of the dark side itself. For he and his sister, known as the Daughter, it could be argued was the very embodiment of the light side of the Force. And the patriarch of the family, the father, was in perfect balance with the Force, keeping his light and dark side children in check with his power. After realizing his children had the power to tear apart the very fabric of the universe itself, the father took his offspring away from the material world to a planet called Mortis in wild space that existed in a different dimensional realm. There, he sought to maintain the balance between his children for eons. But during the endless ages, the ones spent on Mortis, the son grew more and more impatient and tired of waiting to take the father's place. Then, on one fateful day, when the father had Anakin Skywalker, the Chosen One, pulled into the domain of Mortis with his Jedi companions, Ahsoka and Obi-Wan, the son finally saw his opportunity at taking control. When the daughter approached the three Jedi to take them to the father through a mountainous path, the son caused a rock slide to separate Anakin from his friends. Not letting it stop him, however, Anakin asked Obi-Wan and Ahsoka to return to their ship and to try to send out a distress signal while he would go on with the daughter. The son followed his father's plans to test if Anakin Skywalker was really the chosen one, something the son wanted to know as well. So he hid the Jedi's ship away. When Obi-Wan and Ahsoka arrived looking for it, they were confronted by him instead. The two Jedi ignited their lightsabers, but the son effortlessly deactivated them with the Force and warned them that they couldn't leave Mortis, not yet. Obi-Wan wanted to know if the son was a Sith, which he responded to by saying he was both Sith and not Sith. But regardless, no one was leaving until Anakin could be tested to see if he was the Chosen One. With that, as the weather started to act up, he used his powers to turn himself into a gargoyle. But before he flew off, he gave a final warning to the two Jedi, letting them know that the storms of Mortis are destructive and lethal. Seeing how volatile the weather was becoming, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka reluctantly had no choice but to find refuge within a nearby cave. Meanwhile, by nightfall, that very same violent storm had made Anakin a grudging guest of the father, once he had reached his monastery. With nowhere he could go, the young Jedi Knight decided to get some sleep, but he was woken when the sun suddenly appeared before him, disguised as Anakin's deceased mother, Shmi Skywalker. Though upset, suspicious, and wary of this form of his mother, Anakin nevertheless revealed that he felt he had failed her and the Jedi Order when he gave into his rage and anger to deal with the Tuscans the night of her death. The son, as Shmi, assured Anakin that his destiny was to become more than a Jedi, but that he could not fulfill it until he renounced his love for his wife, Padme Amidala. She, as the son put it, was the poisoner. Hearing that made Anakin snap out of it and see through the son's deception, so he stormed off and confronted the father, accusing him of being a Sith. 
But the father explained their origins to Anakin and told him that his family had revealed themselves to the Jedi Knight to see if he truly was the Chosen One. Now I'm going to be making a video on the father after this, so be sure to check that one out. Now these unique Force characters all appeared in the same three episodes of The Clone Wars, so naturally their stories will intermix, but I'm now going to be covering the test in more detail. So, though Anakin was aware that the father was planning a test to determine if he was indeed the prophesized one to bring balance to the Force, the son and the daughter, following their patriarch's command, transformed themselves into gargoyles and griffins and went after Obi-Wan and Ahsoka outside the cave, where they stayed overnight. The siblings grabbed the two Jedi and brought them to an arena where the father and Anakin were already waiting. Anakin was then told to choose which one of his friends to save, as the son and daughter were both under orders to kill them. Refusing to play by their rules, Anakin instead decided to use the Force to overpower both siblings and free Obi-Wan and Ahsoka from their grasp, dragging both of the powerful Force wielders down to kneel before him and causing them both to revert back into their humanoid forms. By being able to overwhelm both the son and the daughter, Anakin had proven himself to be the chosen one. So. After the test, the father wanted Anakin to take his place and watch over his children on Mortis and keep the balance between them. But ultimately, Anakin rejected the offer and decided he wanted to leave Mortis with his friends. But before the Jedi left, the son appeared in Anakin's dream again, this time as a mirror image of Skywalker, and attempted to entice him into joining the dark side and restoring balance to the Force. When Anakin rebuffed the sun's machinations, the powerful Darksider shapeshifted into a monster and attacked Anakin, which jerked the young Jedi awake. Then to make sure the Jedi wouldn't leave, the sun entered their ship and kidnapped Ahsoka Tano, morphing into a gargoyle again and flying off with her. Anakin and Obi-Wan quickly followed suit in their ship through a canyon of mist-shrouded spires, but the sun managed to disappear into the mist and the two Jedi lost track of him and Ahsoka. Bringing Ahsoka to his own towering cathedral and placing her in chains, the son transformed himself into a diminutive creature and began taunting the Padawan about how Anakin would never come to look for her. Ahsoka didn't believe a word of it and insisted her master would never abandon her. As the creature, the son decided then to release Ahsoka from her chains while still trying to convince her to forget Anakin Skywalker. But not having any luck in convincing her, the son instead suddenly bit her on the arm, causing the Togruta female to be infected by the dark side of the Force. As she collapsed, the son reverted back into his humanoid form. At the same time, Anakin and Obi-Wan then, who had of course not given up on Ahsoka, split up. With Obi-Wan heading back to the father's monastery to get help from the other members of the enigmatic Force-wielding family, Anakin continued his pursuit of the sun and decided to scale the Darksider's soaring cathedral. The sun headed to his father's monastery and after rejecting his progenitor's pleas of abandoning the Darkseid, attacked him with force lightning, knocking the withered force wielder out just as Obi-Wan and the daughter entered the chamber. The daughter rushed to tend to her father while the son left. Obi-Wan urged the daughter to help him to stop her brother from getting off Mortis and threatening the galaxy at large. Refusing to personally lay a hand on the son, the daughter guided Obi-Wan to a powerful force weapon called the Dagger of Mortis, which was the only thing that could hurt any of them. Meanwhile, back at the son's cathedral, the dark side infestation had taken control of Ahsoka and she attacked Anakin in a lightsaber duel. She struck to kill, but Anakin didn't want to harm her, so he had no choice but to hold back and simply block and avoid her swings as he tried to bring her back to the light side of the force. As that was happening, Obi-Wan and the daughter faced the son in his inner sanctum 
But during their confrontation, Obi-Wan was separated from the daughter and joined Anakin in trying to stop Ahsoka without hurting her. The son and the daughter deflected each other's force power attacks, before both shapeshifting into a gargoyle and griffin, respectively again to duel it out in their animal forms. But by then, the father had regained consciousness and arrived to use his powerful abilities to separate the siblings. But the father was weakened from the previous attack and age, and so the son quickly recovered and attacked him with his force lightning again. Overwhelmed by the son's growing power on the dark side, the father fell to the ground under the onslaught. Obi-Wan tried to pass the dagger of Mortis to Anakin, but before he could grab hold of it, Ahsoka interfered and took it for herself, only to pass it on to the son. He thanked the Padawan, rewarding her by letting her know that she had outlived her usefulness, and then, with a simple touch on her forehead, drained all her life energy out of her, causing her to collapse dead on the ground. Full of rage, Anakin hurled himself at the son, but the son easily drove the Chosen One back with the Force, Holding the dagger, the son then tried to murder the father with it, but his sister jumped in between them, and so the dagger killed the daughter instead. Much to the son's horror, for despite their differences, he still loved his sister. He fled the scene, but the daughter still had a little bit of life left, and used what remained of her power to resurrect Ahsoka and remove the dark side from her. With that final act, the daughter passed on, and with her death, the death of the light side, the planet Mortis, was plunged into darkness. The sun, however, was not finished. He saw a lot of potential in the powerful Anakin Skywalker, and so turned his focus to turning the Jedi Knight to the dark side. And together with the Chosen One, as his ally, he could escape Mortis and bring the galaxy to the dark side. So, he met Anakin at a volcanic place in the bowels of Mortis that was so strong in the dark side, known as the Well of the Dark Side itself. And this place looked a lot like Mustafar. Anakin had no interest in joining the sun, but he then revealed through the Force glimpses into Anakin's not-so-great future, including the Jedi Purge, the rise of the Empire, the death of Padme, and Anakin's transformation into the machined Darth Vader. The truth of these events devastated Anakin so much so that when the sun told him that he could still change his dark fate and bring peace to the galaxy if he joined the sun, Anakin gave in. Now steeped in the corruption of the dark side, Anakin believed the sun when he told him that it was the Jedi who were the threat to peace. Obi-Wan and Ahsoka discovered that Anakin had joined the sun. Ahsoka sabotaged their Jedi ship so to avert the sun and Anakin from leaving Mortis. Concerned that the two Jedi would team up with the father to try and stop him again, the sun went to his sister's crypt where she had just been placed, so he could retrieve the Mortis dagger that she had been buried with. While the son had been busy with getting the dagger back, the father had gone to Anakin and erased his memories of the future, returning him to the light side. And now, Anakin, Obi-Wan, Ahsoka, and the father all joined to confront the son. Even together, the dark side had grown too powerful for them to be a match for the son. So, the father knew he had to strip his son of his Force powers, and if he used the mystical Mortis Dagger on himself, he would succeed in stripping the son of both his powers and his immortality. Of course, the act meant his own life too, but deciding his son was too dangerous to be allowed to leave, the father stabbed himself. Unexpectedly, trembling in distress at his father's ultimate sacrifice, the son reconciled with him as he lay dying. But then Anakin impaled the son with his lightsaber killing him. And with the death of the son and the father, Anakin Skywalker had brought balance to the planet of Mortis, and shortly after, he and his Jedi friends were transported back to their ship as Mortis vanished. 
Years later, a painting depicting all three of the Ones was found at an excavation of a Jedi temple. But the painting was more than a simple painting. It served as an access point to a portal that leads to another dimension, a world between worlds. You guys might remember this from Rebels. A Jedi apprentice named Ezra Bridger, who had found a way to open the portal and enter the other dimension, entered the other realm it led to. What happened within it is another story. But when he returned, he closed the portal, the temple began to crumble. But before it did, Ezra heard the voice of the sun telling him the future could still be changed. The same thing he had told Anakin back when he showed him his destiny. So if the father had not erased Anakin's memories and he had not succeeded in leaving Mortis with the son, how would that have affected the rest of the Clone Wars, the rise of the Empire? Would Anakin and the son have confronted Darth Sidious? That's a pretty neat Star Wars theory, and I think I could make a video on that if you guys want. So was the son right? Was Padme the poisoner? If Anakin wasn't trying to uncover the power to save his wife from death, would he ever have really turned? Or was Padme just a convenient excuse for him to embrace the dark side? I think it was as Obi-Wan said when he fought Anakin on Mustafar. It was his lust for power, mainly, that turned him to the dark side. He was always feeling like the Jedi held him back, and it was for that reason that Anakin, I wouldn't say looked for an excuse, but he kinda had some sort of a scapegoat that just pushed him a little more to turning to the dark side. Hey everyone, how are you all doing? So thanks so much for enjoying the son video that I made. So today we're gonna be covering the father. Now he is arguably the most mystifying, powerful, and influential force-wielding family in all of Star Wars ever. Next, perhaps the Skywalkers. A member of a brood known as the Ones, the father was the embodiment of what the Jedi Order always sought to achieve. He was the very essence and representation of being that has and somehow is the balance in the Force. With a long flowing beard, smooth gray skin, the father casted an ancient weathered look. He had two children, the daughter, who was the pure embodiment of the light side of the Force, and the Son, the very essence of the dark side. To try and keep his children's immense power in check, the Father brought them to a planet that existed, not in the regular space of the temporal realm, but instead on a different spiritual plane within the galaxy. The planet was sought to be the origin point of the Force itself, and was known as Mortis. There, the Father used his power to act as a stabilizing influence on his children, keeping their powers in balance for eons. The daughter remained faithful to him, but the son craved nothing more than to usurp the father and take his place. Whether Mortis was the Genesis planet for the Force or not, it did act as a conduit for all things in the universe, connected to the mysterious energy field that binds the galaxy together. However, even though they made their home on a different plane of existence, the Ones remained informed of the events unfolding in the galaxy at large, and eventually, during the Clone Wars, news of the appearance of the prophesized Chosen One reached the Father. Intrigued by this development, he used an ancient Jedi distress code to lure Anakin Skywalker, the Chosen One, his Padawan learner, Ahsoka Tano, and fellow Jedi and best friend, Obi-Wan Kenobi, to the planet Mortis. The daughter brought Anakin Skywalker before the Father at his monastery, where he welcomed the young Jedi. But then after grappling with the son, Skywalker confronted the father believing him and his kids to be Sith. The father explained otherwise. He related the history of his family and how each of them represents an aspect of the Force. 
Anakin and his friends were free to leave after the father had given Anakin a test to determine if he indeed was the chosen one. For the test, the son and daughter had transformed themselves into animal forms and kidnapped both Ahsoka and Obi-Wan. Anakin was given a choice of who to save, either his apprentice or his best friend and former master. But refusing to sacrifice any of them, Anakin instead used Mortis's force-amplifying properties to compel the siblings to release both of his friends and with his power made the force wielders revert back to their humanoid forms. He had passed the test and the father was now convinced that Anakin was indeed the chosen one. So, he asked the young Jedi to take his place and act as the new balance between his two children. Anakin, though conflicted, declined the offer, as he reasoned that he couldn't abandon his Jedi comrades in the middle of a war. The father warned Anakin that if he made the selfish choice and decided to leave Mortis, he would place the galaxy entirely in danger. But not for the first nor for the last time. Anakin would make the selfish choice and be determined to return to the galaxy with his friends. But before Anakin and the others could leave, the son kidnapped Ahsoka to keep the Jedi on Mortis. He wanted to use their ship to escape the planet and join the galaxy at large, spreading the dark side wherever he went. The father confronted the son, pleading with him to renounce the dark side once and for all. This only angered the son further, as you guys learned in the previous video that I made about the son. And so he blasted the father with force lightning, knocking him out. When he regained consciousness, the father discovered that the daughter had let the Jedi retrieve a mystical weapon called the Dagger of Mortis which was the only object in the entire galaxy that could kill an immortal member of the Ones. The Jedi and the Daughter had united to try to stop the Sun, but he had used his considerable powers to turn Anakin's Padawan, Ahsoka, to the dark side. So now Master was fighting Apprentice. The father immediately tried to put a stop to the fighting, but in his weakened state, he was no longer a match for the son's power. During their struggle, the son seized the Mortis dagger and swung a killing blow at the father, but just before he could strike, the daughter jumped between them, and the son accidentally stabbed his sister with the weapon, mortally wounding her. Overcome with despair at his actions, the son fled the scene as the force on Mortis, titled out of balance with the daughter dying on the planet, as a consequence of the dying light, descended into darkness. Just before passing on, with her last remaining powers and effort, the daughter cleansed the dark side from Ahsoka, saving the young Padawan's life. The father, grieving the loss of the daughter, also feared that the imbalance that now existed on Mortis would extend out from the planet and give the Sith and the dark side the advantage throughout the galaxy. So he beseeched the Jedi to leave before his son could get a hold of their ship and make it off-world. The father then buried the daughter in a crypt, but when Anakin came to him having decided not to leave, as he feared the son could never be imprisoned on Mortis forever, at some point he would find a way to escape and endanger the entire galaxy, so he had to be stopped permanently. Though the father had made up his mind to eliminate the son, he didn't want Anakin's help. He was fearful that the son would be able to use Anakin's incredible power to tilt the balance of the Force and bring the havoc that had befallen Mortis into the galaxy. And those fears proved correct, as soon after, just as the father had feared, the son was able to seduce Anakin to the dark side, and so the ancient patriarch decided to confront the Chosen One outside the Jedi starship, before he and the son could use it to leave Mortis. Anakin having glimpsed his future life as Darth Vader due to the son's meddling, 
told the father that he feared the suffering he would bring to the galaxy, and he believed he had no choice but to embrace the dark side in order to avert the terrible future before him. To release Anakin of the sun's dark side influence, the father used his powers to erase the Jedi's memory of his dark destiny freeing him from the sun's hold. Anakin, Ahsoka, Obi-Wan, and the father then together went to oppose the sun, but the dark side's power had grown so powerful on Mortis with the absence of the daughter. And so, even united, they could not match the sun's power anymore. So, seeing that the only way to stop the sun was to remove his immortality, the father took the Mortis dagger and stabbed himself as a sacrifice. For without the father, the son was no longer immortal. Seeing his father dying before him, the son was shaken by remorse, and the two of them then made peace just before Anakin Skywalker impaled the son with his lightsaber. Before he passed on, the father told Anakin that with all of the ones now dead, Anakin had brought balance to Mortis. And one day, as Anakin was the chosen one, he would restore balance to the Force in the wider galaxy too. However, he should be aware of his own inner self, lest he bring doom to the galaxy. And with that, the father's body vanished, as did Mortis, while Anakin and the others found themselves transported back to the physical realm in their starship. During the time of the Galactic Empire, long after Anakin had fallen to the dark side and became Darth Vader, as the sun had revealed in the vision Anakin saw, a rebel Jedi apprentice named Ezra Bridger discovered a painting within a temple dig site which depicted the father, the son, and the daughter. The painting was embedded with the Force and was actually a doorway to a mystical plane composed of a collection of doors and pathways that existed in a world between worlds, linking all moments in time together. Entering this realm, Ezra heard many voices of important figures in the galaxy, echoing across and through time and space. One of those voices belonged to the father, after leaving this alternate dimension and closing the portal to it, Ezra had to hurry away, as the temple around the paintings began to break apart. While that was occurring, the painted image of the father came to life, raised and brought together its hands, just as a painted image of a predator from the planet Lothal, called a Lothwolf, came charging towards it. With that, the entire temple came crushing down, leaving nothing behind. So, what was the father? What are the ones? Are they gods? Are they powerful force wielders? The embodiment of the force, perhaps? I'm afraid there are more questions than answers here when it comes to these beings. But whatever the father really was, what's clear here is that he was an eon-old ancient being, possibly immortal and incredibly powerful in the force. Though weakened by age, some of the force abilities he was capable of, but not limited to, were powers such as the ability to just with his bare hands to be able to stop lightsaber blades and force lightning, in a display of some form of advantaged use of Tutaminis. He was also capable of instant teleportation, purging memories by simply touching someone, an incredibly strong force push, and he could also sprout wings and fly. He didn't really need to do since he could teleport everywhere, but it's cool, it's another power. So did the dagger of Mortis really kill him, or does the father exist in some form like a force ghost or something else, who knows. However, I get the feeling that we have not heard or seen the last of the ones. Maybe we'll see them again. 
So a member of a dynasty of arcane force wielders known as the Ones, the daughter was a being with a unique connection to the force, just like the rest of her family, the father and the son. While the son was the physical manifestation of the dark side and the father acted as the balance between his children, the daughter was the living embodiment of the light side of the force. Seeing how their opposite natures would always put his children at odds, and knowing how incredibly powerful they were, the father decided that it was safer for the galaxy and his family to bring them to a planet in wild space that existed in an ethereal realm within the force itself, called Mortis. As a being existing in a truly pure connection with the light side, the daughter was naturally incredibly compassionate, tranquil, selfless, and loving. Throughout her time on Mortis, which lasted for eons, the planet was the family's sanctuary. However, its extreme isolation from the rest of the galaxy also made it a prison for her and her brother, as they were never permitted to leave. Despite that, the daughter following her nature remained loyal to the father and the light side of the force, while her brother, being true to the dark side, planned to usurp the father and escape Mortis. If you have been following the other videos of the father and the son, then you'll know that they become aware that Anakin and his connection to the Chosen One prophecy is so strong. And so, the father, growing weaker in the Force due to his incredible age, and therefore struggling to maintain the balance between his kids, used an ancient Jedi distress code to bring Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka to Mortis. The father wanted to test Anakin to see if he was the Chosen One, and if he was, then the father wanted Anakin to take his place. Anyways, I've gone over the events that took place from the father's point of view and the son's. The truth is there isn't much difference story-wise in regard to the daughter's point of view, but essentially what happened is that the three Jedi arrived on Mortis, where after passing a test the father arranged, Anakin proved that he was the chosen one, but the dark side son wanted to use the Jedi to escape. So he corrupted Ahsoka, turning her against Anakin and Obi-Wan. And when the son no longer had any need of the young Padawan, he killed her. And while trying to kill his father, he accidentally struck the daughter with the Dagger of Mortis. If you want more clarification and more detail of these, I'm just skimming by this story because I've said it in the last two videos and I just don't want to be too redundant. But if you want more clarification, just go back and watch those two videos. So he killed his sister by accident with the Dagger of Mortis when he was trying to kill his father, and this was the only weapon capable of destroying a member of their family, leaving her to die. But in her final moments, the daughter consented to let the father drain her remaining power and transfer it into the body of Ahsoka, which healed and restored the Padawan back to life and freed her of the dark side. The daughter then died in peace, knowing she had spent her last amount of energy saving an innocent person. Shortly after a few more struggles with the son, including Anakin falling to the dark side, but then being freed from it by the father, which I covered in the other videos, both the dark sider and the father were killed in a climactic confrontation with Anakin. Their deaths resulted in the destruction of Mortis, but also hinted at Anakin fulfilling his role as the Chosen One in the future someday. However, even though the event on Mortis marked the end of the daughter, she might still exist in some other form. We know that Jedi can return as Force ghosts, so who knows in what ways a member of the Ones can return. But many years later, during the reign of Emperor Palpatine, there was a rebel Jedi apprentice named Ezra Bridger, as we all know. Star Wars Rebels. He had noticed that at certain important moments in his life, a cute little bird called a convor would appear and look over him. This happened often enough for Ezra to name the bird Morai. However, Ezra wasn't the only force wielder the bird was guarding over. Morai would also follow Ahsoka Tano around throughout her life. It is believed that Morai is in fact either a servant of the daughter 
as the convoy appears alongside the daughter in various images depicting the members of the ones. Or Morai is actually a manifestation of the daughter herself in a new form. And that when she transferred her life energy to Ahsoka, they created a bond and became lifelong friends. Ahsoka has said that she owed the bird her life. Ezra encountered a portrait of the ones on a wall at a Jedi temple, using the force on the image of the daughter's encircled hand. He opened a portal to another dimension, a doorway to a world between worlds. And this is where we got that scene where Palpatine was kind of trying to draw them in through that portal and also where Ezra saved Ahsoka. This place is outside of time and space. Within this other reality, Ezra discovered Morai waiting for him. The bird wanted him to save Ahsoka, who had most likely died once more during a fateful duel at the ruins of the Sith Temple on Malachor, this time at the hands of her former master and now Sith Lord, Darth Vader. Morai urged Ezra to use one of the various portals spread throughout this dimension to pull Ahsoka through just moments before her death, which of course Ezra did, altering time and Ahsoka's fate. The two Jedi united against Palpatine when the Dark Lord attempted to press through the portal himself and together just barely managed to stop him from accessing the strange realm, which would have given the Sith Lord domination over time itself. Morai then accompanied Ahsoka when she returned through the portal mere minutes after she had originally died at the ruins on Malachor, and flew to overlook a limping, injured Darth Vader moving away from the Sith Temple. Since Morai had met Vader when he was Anakin on Mortis, and she had access to the world between worlds, did she know he would be redeemed and one day return to the light? He had proven to her on Mortis that he was the Chosen One, so kind of makes you wonder, how much power did these ones really have? Originally, Star Wars was supposed to be from the point of view of the Wills. That's how George Lucas originally wrote it. And then, of course, he changed it. But the Wills were these ancient, godlike beings. So it kind of makes me wonder if the ones were sort of like them. Or were the Wills just actually the Wills that we saw Yoda speak to in the Clone Wars? Both are very powerful beings. Anyway, let me know what you think. And how do you guys feel about time travel now being canon? Do you like the possibilities that it could bring us, or do you think it doesn't belong in Star Wars? I hope you enjoyed this video. Please check out the other ones with the father and the son to get the full story, and I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Hit like if you did enjoy this one, and I'll catch you in the next one. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you, always. Alright, so welcome to this very long video, but this is one that's going to bring a lot of information to this character who's extremely creepy and extremely powerful. So. The beloved queen of the stars, bringer of chaos, or simply known as Abeloth. Whatever name that was given to such an ancient and dangerous being as her, what remained unwavering was her tremendous power and connection to the Force, in both the dark and, interestingly enough, the light side. A creature that lived for a hundred thousand years before the Battle of Yavin, able to assume the form of any being whose life energy she had consumed, though her true appearance was that of a woman with an overly large mouth, sunken tiny eyes, short thick arms, and writhing tentacles in place for fingers. Imprisoned for most of her existence by the Ones, a family of, lack for a better description, immortal force gods who I've covered in several videos, only to escape after thousands of years to menace Luke Skywalker and his Jedi Order, as she attempted and came close to wiping out all of civilization in the galaxy. However, as supervillain origin stories tend to go, the woman that became Abeloth didn't start out evil. Her real name remains unknown, but the earliest information available on her is that she was a mortal in the service of the Ones on a jungle planet they made their home. There she was simply known as the servant and attended the father, the daughter, and the son, 
all the members of the Ones. How many years she fulfilled that particular role for them is unknown, but at some point, she was accepted by them as one of their own and became the mother. In this new position, when not doting on the father, she helped make peace between the dark side powered son and the light side daughter, whose brutal rivalry had been a blight for the planet. So. She steered the sun's savage powers towards a more beneficial use by having him carve out caves and passages in the walls of the valley that they lived in, and she got both siblings to repair the devastation and destruction their warring had caused. Under the mother's guidance, the ones achieved a happiness they had not known before, nor since. No, their bliss was short-lived, especially for eternal beings, for, you see, while the ones remained immortal, the mother didn't. Even though she was made a member of the family, she was still very much mortal and continued to age, while her family didn't. As she grew older, her hold over the siblings' rivalry also became weaker and weaker, and she began to fear they would one day just abandon her. So, desperate to not lose them, or for them to abandon her, and wanting to stop her family from tearing each other apart, she decided to commit an act that was made strictly forbidden. The newly revival of his children's hostilities and the chaos that had ensued was keeping the father distracted. So, the mother sneaked into an overgrown courtyard and approached an ancient fountain that actually contained a nexus of dark side energy, which was said to give limitless power of all the past and the future. The fountain was known as the Font of Power, which the son had drunk from long ago, and the mother, having made up her mind, drank from the fountain too. She then bathed in the Pool of Knowledge, which was also a nexus. But if bathed in, the pool didn't give limitless power, Instead, it would bestow knowledge of all past and future, just as it had for the daughter when she had soaked in it. But because the mother was mortal, the Nexus's power affected her differently than they had the son and the daughter. Though her actions had endowed her with power, the font and the pool also completely corrupted and twisted her until she transformed from the mortal mother into an entirely different dark side being, into Abeloth. With her newfound powers, she was quickly able to overwhelm and stop the siblings, demanding and compelling them to bow before her. Appalled with what she had become, the father swiftly stepped in and took his children away with him, forever leaving the planet behind and fulfilling the very destiny Abeloth had attempted to prevent. Her family had now abandoned her, joining the dark side to try to prevent a tragedy, only for that to end up being why the tragedy happened in the first place. It kind of has a familiar ring to it, doesn't it? Now, where have I seen that before? Losing her adopted family broke Abeloth's mind, driving her insane, and only served to further intensify her need to be loved and adored. Though realizing what a danger their former mother now had become, the son and the daughter sought out an insectoid species that lived on the planet of Alderaan, called the Killick, and joined their sentient hive, taking control over them. Through joining the Killix Collective, the son and the daughter were able to share their immense force powers with the entire hive. They then commanded these force-empowered intelligent bugs to build huge technological wonders capable of moving entire planets and manipulating black holes. Using one such machine, named Centerpoint Station, the siblings molded the spherical shell of black holes around their former home. Then they placed a smaller version of Centerpoint within the system, later named Sinkhole Station. That was used to maintain and stabilize the cluster of black holes they had arranged around it, creating a black hole cluster that would be known as the Maw. But what wasn't known by the wider galaxy at large was that the Maw existed for only a singular purpose, to imprison one being. Out of the countless trillions throughout the galaxy, 
Abloth posed that much of a threat. Once their task was complete, the ones removed their force powers from the Killik Hive and withdrew from the galaxy to their new home on Mortis, where they would remain until their demise thousands of years later, only ever in that time returning to the galaxy whenever Abloth would figure out a way to escape her black hole prison and they would have to put her back in. This would happen ever so often through the millennia until the ones were no more and only Abloth remained, more alone than ever. Those periods through the eons that were marked by her escapes were considered by the insectoid Killik to be what initiated a cycle of chaos and devastation that affected the whole galaxy, each time leading to war and destruction. Abloth also possessed the ability to enter a realm within the Force that was made to look like an exact copy of the planet that she had lived on once with the Ones. This realm, named Beyond Shadows, was accessible to all Force sensitives who were able to separate their minds from their bodies, such as the Mindwalkers, a mixed sect of Force users who would come to inhabit Sinkhole Station within the Maw and who Abloth would quickly exert her will and influence over for she was overwhelmed with loneliness and a need to be admired and feared. Her desperation for any contact at all would cause her to reach out to any Force sensitives who may have entered the Maw and ingrained in them the Force, her spellbinding urge and desire for companionship. Like a moth to a flame, these Force sensitives would be drawn towards her prison and would find Sinkhole Station, meditate, and through the Force, their minds would leave their bodies and enter the realm beyond shadows, where Abeloth would be waiting for them to feed off their life essences, absorbing their strength as she did with the Mindwalkers. Around four and a half decades after the events of A New Hope, the galaxy was recovering from two devastating back-to-back -back wars, one with an extragalactic warrior species called the Yuzon Vong who had annihilated the New Republic and almost conquered the galaxy and created a new galactic civil war, begun by Darth Cadus, the grandson of Darth Vader. Now I'm going to be covering him who was the original Kylo Ren in another video. During Cadus's war, Centerpoint Station had been destroyed. With the ones passed on and Centerpoint no more, the smaller sinkhole station began to break down and fall into disrepair, allowing Abeloth's power to grow once more. It was also Darth Cadus, the former Jason Solo, which brought Luke Skywalker, along with his son, Ben Skywalker, to come across the Mindwalkers within the Maw. The two Skywalkers were trying to retrace the steps Jason Solo had taken during a mysterious five-year journey that he took shortly after the war with the Yuuzhan Vong. During this journey, he had visited other Force sects scattered throughout the galaxy. These were neither Jedi or Sith to learn unique uses and abilities of the Force from them, which had included the Mind Walkers. So, Luke and Ben came to see them and soon learned how to enter the Beyond Shadows realm. Once inside, Luke spotted a woman obscured in mist. It was Abeloth. She beckoned the Grand Master to speak with her, but Luke sensing the danger, refused. Meanwhile, a lost tribe of Sith who had been cut off from the galaxy since the time of Nagasato had recently returned to space and were eager to conquer once more. Abeloth, who was well aware of them, had manipulated these Sith into forming a strike team to attack Luke at the Maw. But when they showed up, Abeloth demanded that the two Jedi be captured rather than eliminated. The Sith, however, soon decided to ignore her order and went in for the kill. Not that it really mattered, but the ambush failed as their target was Luke Skywalker, and he quickly proved that he was the Grand Master of the new Jedi Order. Only one member of the Sith strike team survived to escape alive, 
Luke and Ben soon made their own escape from Abeloth and away from the Maw. But she was just getting started, and was able to insert her will and twist the minds of some Jedi into believing that any Jedi not under Abeloth's control was an imposter and an enemy. She lured many of these Jedi into the Maw so she could drain off of their energy. Abeloth had managed to grow more and more powerful, until she was finally able to escape Sinkhole Station, destroying it, along with the Mind Walkers and freeing herself from her prison. In the meantime, however, a group within the Lost Sith tribe had come to realize that Abeloth was an even greater threat to them than the Jedi. So, Luke had made an uneasy alliance with these Sith to return to the Maw together and destroy Abeloth. But when they arrived, they were only greeted by the debris that marked the remains of Sinkhole Station. And so instead, they decided to travel to Abeloth's planet, the same that had once been where she lived with the Ones. Once they landed, Luke and the Sith found Abeloth in a courtyard by the end of a cave. The very same courtyard that she had entered when she had transformed from the Mother to the vile creature she had become. She quickly took on the appearance of a female Jedi named Callista Ming, a former long-lost lover of Luke Skywalker's, in the hopes of manipulating him. But the Grand Master soon saw through her deception and realized that Abloth had actually devoured and ended the life of his former love, and so he immediately struck out at her. As the battle ensued, Luke's Sith allies, obeying their nature, naturally betrayed the Jedi and tried instead to use a dark side technique called Control Web, which required several of their tribe to initiate in order to generate a force web that would control the mind of any creature or creatures beneath it. The Sith hoped to use this control and capture Abeloth, so she could serve them, but they had seriously underestimated her power. She let loose a powerful force wave, knocking her assailants aside. She then fled back into the cave, killing any Sith in her way, but Luke and the other Sith quickly recovered and pursued her, and just as she was preparing to unleash another deadly wave of dark side energy, Luke stabbed her through the chest with the green blade of his lightsaber. She collapsed, seemingly dead. The Jedi and other beings that had been under her control were suddenly freed of her influence. But investigating further, Luke and the Sith soon realized that Abloth had somehow switched bodies with another being, and thus she was still alive. One of the Sith tribe members, High Lord Sarasu Talon, who was told about the pool of knowledge, went to it to see if looking into it could reveal Abloth's location. But after seeing a glimpse into the future that had revealed the Jedi Queen, who was destined to stop the Sith tribe's intended invasion of the galaxy, the High Lord jumped into the pool and began to slowly transform into an entity similar to Abeloth. Because of this, a brief duel broke out between Luke and his Jedi against the Sith but the Jedi managed to escape. Both Jedi and Sith eventually tracked down Abeloth on the planet Padir with the Falanasi, where High Lord Talon wanted to capture Abeloth so that she could explain to him what exactly he was becoming. He had discovered he couldn't eat mortal food anymore. Abeloth then began to feed him dark side energy from her tentacles. But while Talon was distracted, another member of the Sith tribe took the opportunity to kill him before he could become like Abeloth. Though the Jedi and Sith managed to wound her, Abeloth escaped once again. Luke, Ben, and one of the Sith soon caught up with her in the city of Crystal Valley on the world of Nam Koryos. There, Abeloth again took on the appearance of Luke's former flame, Callista Ming, in the hopes of trying once more to get the Grand Master to join her. However, her using Callista's form over and over made Luke realize that Abeloth's control over Callista's spirit might not be so absolute that Callista also had some influence over Abeloth. So, 
Luke allowed Callista's spirit to engage him, expanding both of their presence in the Force and sharing his memories of their past together, feeling her love for him and pain and loneliness she felt after being consumed by Abeloth. As Luke, Abeloth, and Callista were engaged in this Force communion, the Sith tribe once again attacked Abeloth with another strike team. Taking advantage of her distraction, Luke used a force technique called memotherapy, or vein rooting, which was normally used to visualize a target's memories in the force and then eradicating them. But Luke used the technique to rip Callista's spirit free out of Abeloth, freeing her spirit and weakening the beloved queen of the stars. But once more yet again, she managed to escape. It's a cool story and I'm skipping over a ton of material here because we would just be going on forever and ever. I mean, this video is already long enough. So if I covered everything, there would be a lot of confronting Abeloth only for her to escape. Confronting her again, but she escaped. So this video is just moments through the nine book series, but it is worth the read. Anyway, after some of the other events transpired, the Sith tribe and Abeloth decided to form an alliance instead and use their combined power to destroy their common enemy, the Jedi. However, Abeloth didn't like sharing power. So, in the middle of the night, she appeared before the tribe's ruler, Lord Darish Vol, as he slept to kill him. By entering his mind, unbeknown to her, Lord Darish, who was the leader of the tribe because of his strength in the dark side, was not as helpless as he appeared, and he was actually allowing Abeloth to enter his mind on purpose, so that he too, in turn, could use the force to enter hers. There, he saw the source of her loneliness and pain, her deep need to be admired and worshipped, her assassination attempt had now turned into a mental duel on a type of an astral plane. He used her despair against her, telling her that she was unloved. Eventually, she was able to free herself from Darish's grasp and unleashed in fury a wave of dark side energy that killed thousands in the Sith tribe's capital city. But just like she had with certain Jedi before, she had inserted her influence over several of the Sith as well who left the capital with her as devoted followers. Okay, so if you're still with me, I want you to comment down below right now because we're almost at the end of it. She would confront Darish again much later on Coruscant, which ended with the High Lord's head being removed from his shoulders. She had taken the appearance of a popular senator and planned to make herself the new head of state of the galactic government. Again, I'm skipping over a lot of story here. She had manipulated and killed her way to getting the job, but her reign would soon come to an end when the Jedi attacked Coruscant, beating back the Sith tribe into the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Knowing the tribe would soon be defeated, Abloth caused a catastrophic earthquake throughout Coruscant, threatening billions to distract the Jedi as she kidnapped Ben Skywalker and a young female Sith named Vistara Kai. Vistara had aided the Jedi in their hunt for Abeloth and was one of the ones who had killed High Lord Talon before he could become an entity like her. The two young teenage force users were taken back to the home planet in the Maw. As she saw an opportunity to recreate the family she had once lost by forcing the young Jedi and Sith to drink from the font of power so it could transform them too and they could fill the role of the son and daughter and the three of them together could become the new ones and shape the galaxy as Abeloth wanted it. To save the two and stop her, Luke used the force to mind walk into the Beyond Shadows realm and confronted Abeloth within it. But as he dueled her, he found an unexpected ally in a Sith Lord who suddenly showed up. This particular Sith was not associated with the Lost Tribe of the Sith, no. This was Darth Krayt, a former Jedi and leader of a secret new order of Sith that were hiding. 
biding their time to strike out at the galaxy. And this was decades after Luke became one with the Force. Krayt would later then become the new Emperor, but that's a totally different story. Anyways, the Grand Master and the Sith Lord fought Abloth together near the Lake of Apparitions, which if any being stepped in, they would sink into the depths of eternity and never return. So, combining their abilities, the two powerful Force beings were able to cast Abeloth into the lake and defeat her. Krayt soon after returned to wherever he had been mediating from, Luke and his Jedi Order were certain that one day Abeloth would have the power to escape the lake and return to terrorize the galaxy again more dangerous than ever before. Whether that be in a hundred or a thousand years, she would return. But knowing about his father's encounter with the ones on Mortis, Luke knew about the Mortis Dagger, the only object that could kill a member of the ones, and also the only thing in the entire galaxy that could kill Abloth forever. So, it became an ongoing mission of the Jedi Order from that point on to search for the planet Mortis and retrieve the dagger. Whether they ever did or not, is not known. As the story will never be finished as soon after Lucasfilm was sold to Disney. I hope you guys enjoyed this super long video. I find it extremely fascinating and I hope that one day Lucasfilm will finish their story on Abeloth and Luke and everything. Even if it's just to be for Legends, that's fine. It's a cool story. This marks the final completion of the story of the Ones. I will be putting all of this into one video eventually. Probably it'll be like an hour long or something. or I don't know, like 40 or 50 minutes. I hope you enjoyed it. Have an awesome rest of your day. Leave a big like on this video if you did have fun and did learn something new. And until the next one, remember, the Force will be with you. Always. Now, fulfill your destiny.